0: Yeah, it's feeling good. My squad every Sunday in your little room. Yeah, Todd Gurley about to run it. About to run it. Can't nobody tell us not no, out. no. Yeah, whole squad with the rara.
1: We're a ram, do it. Go, Hello from my ram cave and welcome back to the greatest show on grass podcast. I'm your host and ringmaster, Joshua Newman, and I'm joined today by Tanisha Singleton, the greatest show on grass explores the past, present, and future of the recently reborn Los Angeles Rams. On a beautiful 83-degree afternoon this past Sunday, the Los Angeles Rams were knocked off by the Buffalo Bills 30-19 to in front of 83,679, including Twilight's Ashley Green, The Hunger Games' Josh Hutcherson, <laughs> Rachel McAdams, Ty Burrell, Tyga, Chris Paul, Lindsay Vaughn, Gene Simmons and Chloe Grace Moritz. Tanisha, it wasn't exactly an A-list performance by no. the Rams.
2: No, it wasn't. But by that list of names, though, this is what we expected. Though, this is what
1: we it, we're getting there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, half of it. We've got the you know the the location, and that's what it's always about. We've got in the real glamorous state.
1: fandom. We just right. don't have the glamorous team.
2: Team. No, we don't have that yet, and it's just unfortunate. And I, you were there. Um, I unfortunately couldn't make it because it's still wedding season out here, but it's I knew a lot of Bills fans that were there. What was the crowd like? You said it was like 83 something. Yeah. So
1: So you have, you know, every single game so far has had has been very mixed? large contingencies of enemy fans. Because right. I mean, look, we got a head start on a team. We've had we had a team here for, for 50 years, but mm-hmm. in the last 21 years, most people a haven't been sitting around waiting for right. the Rams the way I have and some of my crazy friends have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and others have been moving here in the last That's 20 true. years and haven't remembered the Rams. You know, so every Rams game in a sense is a homecoming for some other yes. contingency. Um <laughs> That's the a Bills good point. fans were kind of you know, of all the like enemy fans, I thought the Bills fans were like among the coolest actually. They they I didn't see any Horrible fights. They didn't seem terribly obnoxious the Mm -hmm. way the way like the Seahawks fans were, and a lot of Bruce Smiths, a lot of Andre Reed's, Jim Kelly jerseys. Um, So it was a real. It felt like a real diehard contingency.
2: Yeah, Um, that's what I would expect because L.A. is such a transplant city where it's hard. I've lived in L.A. now for about well, I moved here in two thousand eight, so yeah, about eight years, and it's hard to meet someone in L.A. from L.A i normally meet them from New York, Chicago, Florida, the South. Uh, so it's the transplant city, so you're always going to see a lot more other fan bases here get represented.
1: When you go to a Rams game at the Coliseum, you encounter a lot of crazy diehard fans yeah. who are wearing, like, the jerseys that they're dead father once wore you know deep and a shit deep crazy Rams fan. people like, oh worship God. this team and then you get a lot of bandwagon fans sure. that aren't even so sure like who's playing um, yeah just like oh this is this sounds like fun this is fun but that that group in the middle mm-hmm. of like yeah, this is the team I root for, but I'm not terribly passionate. But remember, they had that one great year when we won the Super Bowl. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, who have you know? We don't have a lot of those. That middle ground um, yet. It's uh, one or the other it's on been that spectrum. Twenty to twenty-one years since we had a team in Southern California, and thirty-six since we've been in the city of Los Angeles. It's it's like a generation and a half that's missing. And also, I think the diehards tend to skew 50 and up. Sure. So, yeah, we've got a ways to go, I think, in terms of building- That middle ground. A healthy, robust fandom. And until, and at least the first time around, the first team that every- one of those thirty-one other teams plays in Los Angeles. It's going to be a bit of a homecoming for sure. that fandom, absolutely. Um, but um, you know, it still it still feels very LA. You know, you walk in the, the metal de- through the metal detectors, and you hear Ryan Seacrest's voice <laughs> telling you about the fan experience, this dude. and yeah, you're looking at a field that's been represented in TV and film, you know, hundreds of times, and. Um, You know, around the stadium, it's, you know, I don't know. You used to get excited when Nelly showed up in St. Louis (laughs) Uh, here in L.A. It's it's like a whole other stratosphere. You've got
2: two handfuls to pick from for celebrities that are coming out and representing. And I like that. I like seeing other Los Angeles sports. You know, I, I'm a Chris Paul person, so I like seeing the Clippers being represented. I like seeing other sports and other athletes and other just entertainers in general coming out and supporting, because that type of stuff is going to lead to more fans as well. It's like, obviously, by yep. extension, we're going to be like, oh, my favorite actor. I like Modern Family, so I'm going to watch this now because Ty's out there. You know what yep. I mean? So that type of stuff it's is weird. all going to be In the
1: preseason, Not, I didn't. I not a lot of... Like A list celebrities in the preseason, actually. I think it was mostly athletes, it was mostly yeah. Clippers and Kings and Lakers and Dodgers. Dodgers. But the two games here, you know, the Seattle game mm-hmm. and now this one, I mean, Drew Drew Barrymore, Rachel McAdams, Chloe Moritz, these are big stars. Yeah. Um, make, you know, sort of aligning themselves um, with the Rams problem. A lot of hip hop stars as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already seen the game a few times. Um, Kendrick, you see on the, yes. on the sc- big screen doing like trying to, um, trying to psych people up in between plays. Um, and, and problem performed like a Rams theme song that he, um, hm. that he created. That was pretty cool. Um, so I think, um, making inroads definitely on the celebrity front. It's just, uh, I'm not sure we're making inroads on the field. Uh, yeah, we see. talked about this bec- being a potential trap game. Mm -hmm. Um, the Rams were feeling pretty good about themselves after winning three straight games there wasn't really any history any beef between these two teams and um, it
2: was quite the opposite we didn't even have a sense
1: yeah I mean the the, the relationship between the Ryans and and Fisher and then we didn't even realize how nicked up the defensive line was when we recorded that episode three out of the four starting defensive linemen um, were inactive and this is a team that relies pretty heavily on that defensive line um
2: yeah it's it was really unfortunate injuries was you know i think played a big part in this um also a lot of questionable ass calls i think too um the combination of the two isn't going to help especially when we've talked about this from the beginning that this is a defensive team that will try to compensate for offensive productivity. Um, They try to overcompensate and not make Keenum, not force him to make plays, not force him to win the game for us, but just keep us close, game management. And it seemed like he did the opposite. Um, And it's just a combination of a lot of different things that hurt this team.
1: The coach, I don't think Fisher's doing a bad job with this assemblance of talent. He's working with what he's got. I mean, this is the... I don't think the offensive line is going to improve over Mm -hmm. the course of this year. I do think that Rob Boris is really just going to have to make the best. Uh, He's going to have to somehow invent a passing game and invent a running game out of this dreadful offensive line. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, So despite the offensive line being doo-doo, you're still seeing improvement, though, offensively, despite those
1: and also despite not improving since last year that's another thing like we're our talent on offense we haven't added anything from last Mm -hmm. year if you if you since Goff is on the bench right we haven't we've only subtracted if you just look at the the draft picks all the draft picks from this year's class were active this week and they all either gave nothing or negative outputs Um, Goff sat on the only player in the Rams roster, uh, active roster, not to see time. Tyler Higby didn't catch a ball. Farrow Cooper was thrown to once and was partially responsible for that sick pick six, not being on the Yeah, he didn't,
2: it looked like there was no effort.
1: No effort. It looked eerie that he slipped or something. Um, like he didn't know it was
2: like his number was getting called or something. Mark Hemingway just
1: just played special teams. mm -hmm. Josh Forrest. I mean, that was the crucial penalty. Six oh, right. round the the penalty into the punter. That's sw- I mean that was the penalty that the Rams had so much momentum before that punt that roughing the the punter uh, uh, call, mm-hmm. um, and then Mike Thomas you know bringing kicks out of the ends out of the end zone that he should be sitting on and and the Rams starting drives at the fifteen yard line. So they had. Um, they
2: had a chance to win this game.
1: And they did have a chance to win. This
2: they game. had a chance to win this game, but they, they continually shoot themselves in the foot. Four
1: minutes, four minutes and 35 seconds. They're down 23-19. And they weren't having trouble moving the ball against the Bills. So.
2: And there was a lot of talk, you know, about the fake punt yeah. um, as opposed to going for it on fourth down when, you know, when they settled for the field goal to make it 23-19. And Jeff Fisher said, I'd do it over again if I had the opportunity. They made the play, we didn't, but that's the way we're wired. That's our fabric, and that's what's taken us a long way. What kind of fabric do you think he's talking about in that sense? Like, what? I think he's. We're wired that way. Like, we're wired to make a really questionable call right there. Well, I think or,
1: he's referring to his history yes. uh, of going, you know, as a Rams, Which is coach, an taking point. these. No, I think he's, his history on fake punts, actually. They've okay. been extremely successful on fake punts. Through it. And and frequently with risky fake punts. In in 2012, for instance, there was a similar kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, t- towards the end of the first half against San Francisco, um, and San Francisco was really a good team in 2012, in, in sure. a tight game, uh, there was a fourth down punt from the Rams end zone right before the end of the half. They could have punted the ball and gone into half th- and And, you know, with one stop, they would have gone into halftime. Mm-hmm. They faked a punt from their end zone and uh, Hecker threw the ball, I think 21 yards to Rodney McLeod. They've done this over and over. That was actually one of two fake punts that game. Um, it's the kind of play that you're going to get killed if you f- right, fuck up right that's the on. second guessing but if, yeah, after the fact. but if you succeed everyone's calling we're you like, oh sick so I didn't have a- so much I didn't have so much of a problem with the fake punt um I laughed I had a problem with the series of calls prior to the fake punt Yeah there was like um
2: cuz it was 4th and 15 at that point when they were when they called the fake punt uh, I, it was fourth and long.
1: I didn't. Ha- I don't have that. But th- they, no, they had. It was a girly reception and a run uh-huh. that made it third and five, and then, and then there was a tipped pass on third and five. So it was okay, fourth, fourth and, and five. five. The defense was playing well the last few series, and momentum did seem like it was swinging the Rams way. I'm not saying I would have done. I don't think I would have done it. I think I would have punted it, had used the three timeouts and hopefully gotten the ball. But, but then again, the Bills punter was, was kicking the hell out of it. And, and, um, I don't know if he saw something on tape. I was, I didn't see anything on tape. Of course. If he saw something on tape, then, then that's fine. I think, um, you know, Rex Ryan and his team defended it really well. They had prepared for fake punts, um, knowing, um, Fisher's track record. Um, But once again, in game strategy, I don't, you can always second guess. If it goes well, you love it. If you don't go, if it doesn't go well, you don't love it. How successful are you really going to be when at any given point, five out of the 11 guys on the offensive side of the field don't belong on an NFL field? You know? (laughs) That's Um, insane.
2: They're just thin everywhere, you're saying.
1: They're real thin. Um, And they've just made, they've made, They just haven't found guys on the offensive side the way they've found guys on the defensive side. You don't see, you've got on defense, it's just like Maurice Alexander.
2: And this goes back to your issue with Snead. EJ
1: Gaines. Yeah. um, Real studs. Um, Tremaine Johnson, Mm -hmm. third rounder. I mean, real studs that they're finding late in the draft. Um, Not necessarily through free agency. Ethan Westbrooks, real, real contributors on offense, you know, first and second rounders are iffy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that
2: but, goes back to your issue with the general manager.
1: It's a general manager issue, I think. It's um, not always knowing what they have mm-hmm. when they have it, um, not knowing how to find talent uh, in a draft. Certainly, not knowing how to acquire free agents who can contribute. They just let go. Cody all They're paying right. five million dollars, $5, five plus million dollars for basically playing in training camp for them. Um, and everybody really knew he wasn't a, a, com- a competitive yeah. uh, addition. So, yeah.
2: It was kind of funny. I felt like we almost jinxed it, because last week we were talking about coaching coming through against the Cardinals, and in this game, um, it was a little bit of the opposite um, with some of these questionable calls like we've talked about. But the injuries, too, is just something that you can't overlook. And, you know, there are those kind of stealthy stat columns uh, that are often overlooked at first um, but end up becoming make-or-break situations that impact the game, like the turnovers, third down, fourth down, interceptions, four sacks, stuff like that. Pick sixes, those are the things that I don't care if you have more first downs like they did. I don't care if you had more yards like you did, rushing and passing like they did, or more time of possession like they did. But you lose those other ones that I mentioned first, and you're going to lose the game at the end of the
0: day.
1: Joel Stein recently wrote a story for Time magazine called... I'm a football fan. I just didn't know it. Explaining his decision to become a diehard Los Angeles Rams fan after a lifetime of not giving a shit about pro football. I spoke to Stein about his decision earlier this week. We, we, really, we really, really loved your story. What, what kind of response has it generated?
0: You know, most of the reaction I got was from furious St. Louis people.
1: Interest there,
0: there, I did not quite understand, and it's obvious why they would be so angry, but there, well, they hate this team now.
1: I don't know if it's so, I mean, it, when we lost, or when I say we, I was living in New Jersey when the Rams left Los Angeles. Uh, I think you were too. But um, when Los Angeles lost the Rams, um, there wasn't uh, this kind of anger towards St. Louis. So it is a little bit. Unusual and and interesting. Well, I think the the extent of the ire.
0: Well, I guess you're already St. Louis, right? And it's just like the glamorous, better-looking person stole the thing you love. Yep. I think that's worse yep. than having the Rams go
1: to St. Louis. You um, you, you talk about uh, attending the game against the Seahawks. Um, what what did you think? Uh, what did you think about your 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 fellow Rams fans? Uh, so this is my first full. NFL game. Oh, you you stayed. You didn't do the Rams thing and, and leave early.
0: I didn't do the Rams thing and leave early. I you know I <laughs> I, I wanted to, but my parking situation was tenuous, right. so I knew I wasn't going to be able to leave very early. And we had a very par- parking was a real
1: problem down there. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, we're only there for three years at the Coliseum, right. so I think. There's, You're in with the we already. Oh, I mean, I've been I've been following the Rams since I was. You know, I was I grew up in Paramus. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but um, and I was a Rams fan. I was be getting shoved into lockers uh, by uh, Giants fans in you know 1988. Uh, so why were you a Rams fan? Um, Uh, Well, it's a long story, but um, I actually we have an episode uh, on why why I'm why I'm a Rams fan. But long and short of it is my family and I used to take vacations here to Los Angeles. And and I, I really hated the Jets at the time who were kind of. The, I get that the team of the moment and Mark Gastineau really rubbed me the wrong way. And there was oh yeah, me one, too. One particular game that uh, that I remember just becoming a Rams fan.
0: So you would tell kids you were a Rams fan, and they would uh, they just heard something besides the Giants or Jets and freaked out. Yes, but then if the Rams beat either
1: of those teams, violence oh, yeah. violence would uh, be the sure. the result. Like after that Flipper Anderson game, um, the Rams, there
0: was someone named Flipper Anderson.
1: Yes, the Rams uh, have a a storied, a great wide receiver uh, who just came up big in big moments. He actually has several NFL records. He has the record for the most receiving yards in a game. And in a playoff game against the Giants in the Meadowlands, he caught uh, the game-winning touchdown in overtime and just ran straight out uh, the tunnel into the locker room from the field. Oh, I like that. And, I like that. And so people say he's still running. Um, <laughs> and uh, But you, to this day, you, like, if I wanted to figure out a way to get my ass kicked as quickly as possible at a Giants game, um, I would wear a Flipper Anderson jersey.
0: Oh, oh, so that's kind of, there's, there's a Rangers equivalent, but that's the, the pot van. But yeah. there's, there's still something from decades ago that people are pissed about. I love that.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, and oh, I
0: also, having never really been to an NFL game— I didn't know, I'd seen all the ads where they had this, but I didn't know people really painted their faces. Yeah, that was surprising. The the Melonhead guides were a little surprising.
1: Yeah, that's a weird, I I pride myself in being able to like kind of deconstruct all of the, you know, kind of cultural nuances of this team, but that's that's one that sort of defies explanation. Um, It's from the Anaheim days. You know, the the Rams, of course, left Los Angeles proper in, 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 uh, 1980, um, and played in Anaheim until ni- through 1994. Um, so that was something that emerged during the Anaheim's day, Anaheim days. And, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to credit to or how to explain it. Um, but I've I, read about the guys that started it. Sure. Um, but they don't really have a good explanation as to why they do. Like, they
0: really don't. There probably should Never be one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe
1: it's better. Yeah, some things are better best left uh, unexplained. Um, in your story, you talk about uh, a Johnny Hicker, Johnny Hecker becoming your, your my favorite,
0: favorite football player, player, player of all time, yes. other than Flipper Anderson.
1: <laughs> you didn't know about Flipper Anderson.
0: But no, these... but it's pretty tempting. The name Flipper Anderson has got this great story. He's starting to edge in on Johnny Hecker. <laughs>
1: Well, what is it? How did he become your, your, your favorite player?
0: Okay. So I wanted to become a Rams fan. Yes. Because, you know, I'm, I don't watch football. I like occasionally watch my college team. Yes. I don't, I don't really love football. Okay. And I feel like I'm missing out because America loves football. My friends love football. And I just felt like I wasn't a real American. So I wanted to become a football fan. And this seemed like such a great opportunity because no one knows much about the Rams. So I could I could be a Rams fan. And not much would be asked of me, <laughs> okay. as far as knowledge yes. or, yeah. So I was in. Yes. So I uh, I called some people to get advice on how to become a Rams fan. I called uh, some sports psychologists because it seems weird to me that like a team shows up in a city and has fans like right away. Like right. that makes no sense to me. Like like they should
1: have to then, do something to earn your fandom.
0: Which is like, why would you suddenly be into a team that you have no knowledge or connection to okay. that just because they showed up and put your city, you know, playing in your city a couple of times a year. Yep. And I just didn't, I couldn't figure out how you suddenly are like, okay, yes, that one. Yeah. I mean, I'm in. So I called some sports psychologists and they, they very smartly pointed out that people do this all the time. Like the first week you get to college, you're suddenly a fan of that team because you want to fit in with the people around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and when you watch the Olympics, you suddenly get into various people you hadn't heard of a week before. And during March Madness, you wound up kind of randomly picking some favorite teams. So, so I was like, okay, that seems to make sense. I, I can do that. But then I wanted advice on, on how to be a fan. So I called some people and I found out that Ty Burrell, the, uh, the actor, sure, who's a, a lot like me, is, a, is like you, a lifelong Rams fan from when he was a kid because he used to come to L.A. Um, we had some like, extended family and he got really into the Rams. And he would argue, he played football, but he would argue in school that people should be Rams fans. Yes. Uh, in Oregon, which is some small town, which was hard. You know, it was, a, it was a hard sell, L.A. And his sole argument he would use on people is that the, the Rams were the only team that made sense because Rams bash each other with their their heads, so it's like the helmet only makes sense for Rams. Right. It's it's not a great argument, but but I. It's not, he was young. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, it's there's a, a better the all. better
1: argument is that they invented. You know, they were the first to have their helmets painted of any team. It was that they were the first that, um, after coming to L. A. They had a halfback by the name of Fred Gurky, who was also an art student and also is a, is a candidate to become, even though he's no no longer with us, he's a candidate to become your favorite player of all time. But Fred Gurky was the one that painted the horns on the helmet, and that, was the, that had never been done before. So when the Rams trotted onto the field, um, it was as if, you know, it was as if they were this... Um, uh, you know, it was very Hollywood. Actually, it was as if they were playing the name of it, portraying the characters that they that the team was named after. Um, there were literally Rams on the field. It also was very um, TV friendly. Um,
0: Wait, so what did uniforms look like the, before? They would hel- helmets would be blank. Did they have any Rams logo on them at all?
1: They, teams had colors. We're not just talking about the Rams. We're talking about all of the NFL teams right. had colors. Um, um, and that's pretty much it. They didn't have helmet decorations. They didn't try to tell the story of the team on the helmet.
0: The Gurkies should be making money off of every sale of every piece of paraphernalia the NFL sells.
1: Every single one. Correct.
0: And, yeah. and for that matter, college. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan. He's like, Gurky's maybe my third favorite guy right now. Got it. Um, okay so I, so one thing Ty Burrell told me was that I needed to pick a favorite player. Okay. Um, And so I, you know, I asked him how to do that and he said, well, you you want to pick someone who you really admire and like, and you have something in common with. And he suggested um, Alec Ogletree.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because of your
1: guy, because of your like robust uh, manliness.
0: No, he said he's a really nice guy that does a lot of like Got it. charity stuff. I don't, he made him seem like a very lovable, likable guy. He is. He is. Yes. And what, in what way is that accurate? Uh, he is. No, he's very involved
1: in charity. I actually, a, a couple of years ago, the Rams played uh, at San Diego against the Chargers, and my father in law and I sat next to Alec Ogletree's then fiance and um, mother. Fiance, how old is he? He's, uh, now he's probably 24.
0: Uh, I'm so against that. Okay. Just, I don't know. I mean, young athletes getting married that I just don't see that often going well. Right. It's just a shorter schedule. They don't travel as much, but in baseball, it's just not, doesn't work out. Well, isn't
1: Hecker also married?
0: Hecker is married. Yeah. Okay. Um, they have a roommate. He told me that's kind of. Weird and cool. I thought and, that was weird. He like, said it works out really well. It's like a friend of his from college. He got him a job working in the front office with the Rams. And uh, and it's fun to have someone else around. I don't know. I agree. I thought it was weird.
1: Okay, so Ty Burrell suggests Ogletree. Ogletree. How, do you, how do you end up with Hecker as your, as your favorite player? Well, I because was, I think it's um, actually... A, the, he's the perfect guy for you. Um, but I think so, too. But I'm just wondering yeah. how you got there.
0: Well, you know... I talked on the, before the game, I was on the field uh, during that Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. Got it. And I talked to uh, the COO of the team Mm -hmm. and and I asked him how to be a fan and he told me I didn't have to wear the melons on my head, which was the first time I'd heard about that, which which really (laughs) cast a lot of doubt in my head about being a Rams fan at all. Right. Once I heard that. Yeah. And then I asked him who should be my favorite player and he quickly spit out Johnny Hecker. Okay. He said that he said he does a really funny radio show. he's yep. like "That's your guy,
1: yep, yeah
0: and uh, I, lo- I looked into him a little bit and he sounded like that was my guy and then um, I following Ty Burrell's rule about finding something in common with your favorite player, you know when you pick one, I just called him and asked him what we had in common cool, cool and you yeah. you what what do you have in common which is how everyone should pick their favorite player I think uh, we, we had so much in common um, he also uses, like I do in my columns, he uses his wife as a comedic foil in his radio show. Okay. Uh, which I, you know, we, he, uh, we we liked some of the same comedy, but we both like comedy a lot. He was a little more into Adam Sandler. than I like Adam Sandler, but he seemed very into Adam Sandler. He's younger than me. Yeah. And then um, he likes to cook. He likes Din Tai Fung, which he didn't even know, which he'd been uh, you know eating up... Uh, uh, wherever he's, you know, in Oregon, I guess they have one. Uh, let's see, what else do we have in common? I feel like there was a lot. Neither you of know, you are Chinese. Neither of us are Chinese. He's more into Jesus than I am as a Jew. Got it. Uh, but I think that was going to happen with any NFL player I picked. Um, more into Jesus. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I don't know. Are there any Jewish NFL players right now?
0: I, think I feel there like are. there was a quarterback
1: not too long ago. There's- right. There's a guy Mitchell Schwartz, I believe, on, no. the, on the Panthers. Grand
0: by so. Jewish traveling camp. I think what?
1: Well, I'm sure it's a different Jew, Mitchell okay. Schwartz. Yeah. yeah, Schwartz, as my we, I will be something by now, as we know, is very common. There's a Mitchell Jewish Schwartz? Name. I think so.
0: I can't believe there's a Mitchell Schwartz who's in his twenties, no less, playing football.
1: I'm pretty sure why? Because Mitchell feels like an old school name.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sort of like Liz. Mitchell
0: Schwartz like, is an offensive tackle for the Chiefs. There you go, Wow, yeah, but so we don't I, it's possible that he's not Jewish. Anything's possible, yeah., uh, he okay. went to Berkeley. It's looking more and more Jew. He grew up in Pacific Palisades. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. that's the giveaway. Yeah. Um, well, we got we got to get him in l a to kind of the way you know that Yankees used to always get a Jew, I think the, the Rams should do that. I remember my grandmother was all excited
1: when the Yankees acquired David Cohn. Uh, oh, that was disappointing, huh? Yeah, for her. Yeah, um, she there of was, thought it was C O H E N, and it was C O N E. Um, so, do you have uh, have you been a Rams fan long enough to be able to um, opine on the uniform uh, controversy?
0: Wait, is it, is it the, the home and the away one? No, I tell me about the uniform controversy. Well, basically, I'm upset the, now.
1: They're wearing these Saint Louis colors right now. These yeah, they, yeah, they, no, they no, wear no, millennium no. blue and new century gold. And and when you were at the Coliseum, undoubtedly you saw people decked out in their retro colors, royal blue and yellow, and people yeah. are people are up in arms that they haven't switched back to their old school Los Angeles colors.
0: Well, the, the ownership's theory is, is that this is kind of a bogus two years until they get to their real stadium. And then they're going to do the new uniforms and the, everything will be new and good then, right? This is like they're throwing away these two years, right? They've got this.
1: That is a hypothesis. That that's a hypothesis. They have a, they have a
0: quarterback they don't believe in. It just seems
1: like it's being thrown away for a bit. That is a, uh, that's a pretty sophisticated answer for someone that's been a fan for a week. But um, well, I'm a hardcore fan. Did Kevin Demoff uh, say any of that to you uh, on the field during the Seahawks game?
0: No, I think I just read some stuff. Uh, okay. it he did not. He in, in no way said they were throwing away two years. Okay. And, I, and he wasn't because the Chili Peppers were there. And James Corden was a cheerleader. And CeeLo was – I mean, it, it was very L.A. Um, so you, you became a Hecker
1: <laughs> fan. We, are, are you so much of a Hecker fan and so much of a Rams fan that you would – because this, I feel like, is a real – Line in the Sand, um, would you wear a Hecker jersey in public? Well, like socially? here's the thing.
0: Yeah. It's a really tough question for me because I was going to Hacker offer to sign a jersey if I buy one. So that was tempting. And then I looked online. They're not cheap. No. They're like over 100 bucks, right? Mm, yeah. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. And then uh, there's this Frank DeFord rule that I've always thought was smart, which is you can't wear the jersey of someone who is younger than you. Okay. Um, which I always thought was a, a smart way of saying adults shouldn't be wearing jerseys. Got it. Which I do, I do believe in. So would I wear? I just what about don't just love Ram that book Sh- for guy.
1: What about Ram Schwag? Forget about the jersey. Would you wear? I mean, yeah. Okay. Are you willing yeah, to? Yeah, I
0: would definitely. Would. I would okay. wear a Johnny Heckard. Well, that's that's a problem. But it is weird. Do you think it's weird for an adult to wear another guy's name on his shirt, like they're dating? Like you I know what, know. I think I have trouble doing it when
1: I'm not. I, I at a game, I have no problem. Me too. That's like that's a concert shirt rule. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But outside of the game, I I have even I have trouble with it.
0: It's not a great look to begin with. The jersey in general or the Rams blue and yellow? The jersey in general, unless yeah. you're playing. I mean, it's a uniform. It's like yeah. wearing a UPS shirt. or it's, it's not really meant for casual wear.
1: Right, right,
0: right. Um,
1: I, yeah, I, but, was, I was simply wondering because of how, how, how diehard a fan you've become.
0: Well, I'm torn. I kind of want to be that guy, yeah. Yeah. but I,
1: uh, I, I'm torn. Did you grow up watching like Hunter or like Father Murphy, um, or Three's Company?
0: A lot of Three's Company. I never watched. I never watched Hunter. I've never heard of Father Murphy. Is oh, that, was that in the Dumont Network? What's Father no, Murphy?
1: No, Father Murphy was a spinoff from
0: Little House on the Prairie. It was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did watch the Little House. Yeah. Oh, um, okay, cool. Well, the reason I ask is see, I, like, I feel oh, like- was he the Orson Welles? Oh, was he the? Um- is that the football player guy? Yes. Is that Merlin Olsen?
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. That's what I'm talking. Merlin Olsen. I feel like pop culture can really be an entry point for would-be Rams fans. Like, you maybe, like, didn't... Is
0: Merlin gr- Olsen a uh, a Rams oh, yeah. guy?
1: Yeah. Player? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I,
0: I certainly like Merlin Olsen. Oh, one of the all-time His name was Merlin, great. first of all.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. And he was a big, lovable, bear-like figure. Yes. Yes. One and
1: only, yeah, and he was a Hall of Fame. He was the
0: refrigerator Perry of uh, the seventies,
1: sixties, and seventies. You you, quite right, Um, but so maybe like the Rams have all these, um, uh, you know, because of their Hollywood roots, they had all these. Virtually every sitcom, TV show from the 60s, 50s, oh. 70s onward had at one point featured a Ram in them.
0: So I feel well, like I, you know, I watched like, so much TV then, so it's name another Ram from that era. Uh, been Deacon, Deacon, you ever watch The Odd Couple? Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones on The Odd Couple. I didn't know he was a Rams guy, oh, player. Yeah. The, the all time
1: greatest Ram, probably.
0: Really? It's a good name. You ever watched, they have great names, the Rams. Yes. Merlin Olsen, D.K. Well, Jones, and Flipper. How about this one? You ever watch Wonder Woman? I wasn't a big Wonder Woman fan. Okay.
1: Okay. Because Roman Gabriel guest starred in, yeah. in one of the – that's a great name, Roman Gabriel. Um, Pretty good. Gilligan's yeah. Island. There were there – were, Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, Which Rams? Gilligan's Island Garden. was actually, actually Roman Gabriel – uh, played a headhunter in one of the episodes. Oh, really? That was a pseudo racist episode. I know exactly what you're talking about. He got to lock up Ginger and Marianne and uh, yeah. stand guard. Um, so that was a great, great moment in Ram's pop culture history. Well, thanks for joining us on The Greatest Show on Grass, Joel. You can follow Joel Stein on Twitter at
0: The Joel Stein. Um, well, thanks for doing this for our city. <laughs> All right, man.
2: about no haters man i ain't about no broke man i ain't about no man, I ain't about nobody. Nobody. Um, nobody.
1: moving on we uh next sunday uh, we go to uh, ford field uh, to take on the 2 and 3 detroit lions who come off a a, a big Speaking win of wins, over yeah. the eagles 24 to 23 L.A.'s getting getting. Uh, last I saw, three or three and a half points. Um, these two teams have been playing for many, many, many years. The Rams hold the head-to-head record battle, uh, forty-three and forty, and one, um, and um, should be getting back some some defensive linemen in this contest.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to depend too on what which Matthew Stafford we get if it's going to be the turnover happy Matthew Stafford or the really confident kid that we've seen, you know, throw some bombs. Um, but this team, you know, they, they might be a little high on themselves, just like the bills were beating the Patriots, uh, last week with the lines, you know, with their upsetting, you know, the Eagles and Carson Wentz that we had just talked about. So they may be, you know, and they're at home for this one. So it's, it's going to be hard just because of the injuries. That's I mean, if that's what plagued us against the Bills. This is it's not going to stop um, traveling, and they've got a rough road trip yeah. after this. The so. Rams
1: can uh, look. The Rams. Every team gets injured. Um, yeah. So I don't want to. I mean,
2: it's always Detroit next man has some up. Some big
1: injuries, but yeah. I just think so much of the Rams' defense. Revolves around their line dominating. So if those injuries are on the defensive line, look, Tremaine Johnson got nicked up. I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday, but in a weird way, you know, I'm more confident about about somebody stepping in there than somebody stepping in to replace Robert Quinn because this defense needs to get pressure on the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, um, The whole strategy revolves around getting to the quarterback and if they can't Uh, a lot of the other guys' um, weaknesses stand out uh, a lot more. Uh, These two teams played last December and uh, Todd Gurley had a huge game. Um, He uh, rushed for well over 100 yards. He had uh, 140 yards rushing two touchdowns, uh, and only on 16 carries in 8.8. I'm looking at a a computer screen right now, 8.8 yards per carry. That looks like a misprint given what's been going on this year. Um, this, of course, this offensive line has taken a step back this year. Um, Golden Tate hurt them a lot. Uh, his hurt, hurt him hurt the Rams a lot going back to his days with Seattle. Um, and, uh, yeah, you said Matthew Stafford, I think, He's probably the best quarterback they will have gone up against this year. I mean, I—he's to me, he's more talented than Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Um, he's got, maybe doesn't have the system around him and the stability around him that Russell just Wilson talent has. Just talent-wise. Um, but he's got Marvin Jones, who's been good, and Golden Tate probably. Amir Abdullah is out. Um, they just, uh, they're struggling to, to find Phil. much of a running game um, this year. Um, but, uh, Marvin Jones is second in the NFL in receiving yards behind only Julio Jones.
2: Yeah. And we've, we've talked about how well the Rams have played against the teams in our division. So this is one of those games that you're just supposed to win. Yeah. And they always just, we've talked about this, that they've just kind of find ways to lose. But this is one of those games that you'd circle at the beginning when the season, when the schedule comes out that you're supposed to win. I think in addition to the Bills,
1: but we saw how that happened. People talk a lot about the mystery of the, uh, behind that. How the Rams... How? The, how? How do they always beat good teams? Yes, how? how? do they always beat teams in their division? But... and But yet they can't beat bad teams, and they can't the, play up to par outside the division. You know, I wonder if this isn't just part and parcel of... Being a young team. Um,
2: right. Like, what do you is chalk this up to? the difference
1: between a young team, maybe the difference between it being a young team, veteran team and a veteran team is that a veteran team can play well when it doesn't feel like anything's at stake. Whereas yeah. a young team has trouble, I don't know, getting it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it seemingly nothing is, or less is at stake, where, where there's no pressure. heated rivalry, mm-hmm. pressure, do or die, um, you know, double repercussions of in-division games. um.
2: Yeah, that's a mentality thing, an emotional, psychological thing that you're, that the personnel has to put, that the personnel has to put on the team. And it just seems as though sometimes when casual fans, you know, you can watch a game and you'll, you'll even notice that there's one or two plays that just stand out. Um, but even beyond that, I think even a casual fan can see that sometimes there's an overall theme that will actually influence the game on a higher level than just one or two plays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that mentality of just playing down to your opponent and those games that you circle, like, all right, we have to win these like out-of-division games, that could be a theme. That it, Like you said, it could just be a mentality, like a young thing that, you know, but...
1: What um, what do you think is going to happen?
2: I think they're going to lose. I think that play, I think they got a wake-up call. I think the injuries are going to hurt them more than Keenum will um, because the defense is just what carries this team. So I think I think they're going to lose, but I think they'll keep it close. It'll be a, a more competitive game, I think, um then the score would indicate with the Bills. Um, no, even though there were some late scores there, but um, you know, after that, after immediately after this game, they get on a plane and they head to London. Um, so they'll have a lot of time to regroup and think about it and watch film um, on that flight, and hopefully they can write the ship overseas.
1: Yeah, I also am going to say this is uh, a loss. Uh, I hate to. Um see the Rams go into a tailspin. I think it will help not to have uh, an elusive threat like David Johnson or, or Shady mm-hmm. McCoy to go up against. There is no player like that on, on the Lions.
2: Um, yeah, no threat. But I think we,
1: we see an arm. We're, we're up against an arm that we haven't seen. Um, you know, Carson Palmer uh, can certainly throw the ball downfield, but um, Matt Stafford is um, a weapon. Yeah, uh, that they, got, they have gone up against, haven't seen before. Um, you know, maybe it depends how nicked. we'll see how the week progresses, yeah. is going to be a tough one. If this defensive line all comes back, um, you know, and without Detroit's ability to run the ball, if we can turn them into a one-dimensional offense... Um, they got a shot. That, I think we have a shot, but you can never be too confident about any one game no. When you're when this is your offense and when the five guys you're lining up but in front in behind are Rob Havenstein, uh Cody Wickman or Jamon Brown, uh Tim Barnes, um, Roger Saffold and 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 you know, our favorite Greg Robinson. Um so
2: I think too, this game might be more Rams against the Rams than it is even against the Lions. It's they're gonna be up against their own destiny so to speak you know what i mean like they're playing against themselves
1: well thank you for listening to the greatest show on grass podcast please subscribe on itunes like us on facebook follow us on twitter and spread the word to rams fans in your life whether they've been rooting for the team for 30 years or 30 days